0: Good morning, and welcome to Spring Convocation 2022. Happy New Year to all of you, students, faculty, and staff, including those of you who are joining us from our locations in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Washington, DC. And a special welcome to the new students, faculty, and staff who are experiencing their first convocation with us today. You are joining a very special community of learning. And we hope that you will quickly come to feel a sense of belonging in this large, extended family, as diverse as we are and as cantankerous as we may be from time to time. You are here, even if on Zoom, and you belong. We launched this new year and this new semester with the strange mix of hope and anxiety that we are becoming all too accustomed to after nearly two years of a global pandemic two years of journeying with a virus that keeps finding new ways to disrupt our lives. We are disappointed to be holding this opening celebration on Zoom, but the fact that we are here together in this way demonstrates both our commitment to be together and our commitment to care for each other in difficult circumstances. As always, our spring convocation is a time of hope, in anticipation of a fresh start as we begin a new semester and a new year. And truly, we have good reason to be hopeful as we enjoy the benefits of science in the form of vaccines and boosters that lower our risk of serious illness. We are optimistic that with continued prudent precautions and care for each other, we will be able to enjoy something like a normal university experience. But these feelings of hope and optimism are tempered by the fact that we are regathering in the midst of a significant resurgence in the pandemic. We continue to be aware that our life together requires ongoing caution, continued care for each other, unwanted distancing, and the thought of that can make us tired. In many ways, the pandemic has rearranged our expectations and definitions of a normal college life, and that can disappoint us. When I'm tempted to turn away from hope and optimism and perhaps give in to fatigue and disappointment, I find it helpful to remind myself of the vision for our community and the core values we espouse. Values that are so eloquently articulated in our life together statement. Love for God and one another, the search for wisdom, are striving for equity, sustainability, and accountability. A vision of a university that intends to open new pathways of access and achievement for all students is oriented toward peace and justice and is rooted in an active faith modeled on the life and teachings of Jesus. A community of learning inspired by the call of the prophet Micah to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. In the midst of all our challenges, these give us reasons for hope. I am inspired by our students, faculty, and staff who have been and continue to rise to our current challenges with undefeated hope, creativity, and commitment to our important mission. Nothing makes me more hopeful about our shared future. So we enter a new semester, on one hand, wary of the current difficulties we face, and on the other hand, hopeful that better days are ahead. Welcome to all as we embrace the challenges that confront us, continue to care for one another in our words and actions, and commit ourselves to work together in hope, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. And now I'm pleased to introduce our new Vice President for Enrollment and Strategic Growth, Dr. Mary Jensen. Mary has served EMU for a number of years as Associate Provost for EMU at Lancaster, and we welcome her into this new and significant leadership role in our university. Mary will open our time together with a reading of scripture.
1: Reading from the Christian New Testament, John 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And from the Hebrew scriptures, Psalm 147, 4, he determines the number of the stars, he gives to all of them their names.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Faith Monacum, and I'm one of the Student Government Association co-presidents. On behalf of SGA, I want to extend another welcome, um, and we hope you had a restful break and are as excited for the spring semester as we are. We had a wonderful fall, and we're looking forward to coming back and working with you students and administration again. This morning, I would especially like to extend an invitation you all to consider running for a position with sga we had spots available for senators for a secretary and for a vice president so you can choose whichever of those would be most interesting for you uh, you should see a qr code on your screen you can visit the link from there to get more information about what it is we do in sga uh, and to submit a platform to run on even if that's not your thing we again want to say that everyone is welcome to join our weekly meetings we meet on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in UC 211-212. We're not meeting tonight, uh, but we'll get you more information about when we do start meeting. So we'd love to talk to you about any questions you may have. You can reach out to any of us in SGA, email us at sga.emu.edu and we hope to see some of you running.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Aman Tium, and I'm also one of your SGA co-presidents for this year. Um, and today it is our honor to introduce President Susan Schultz-Huxman. Dr. Huxman is our ninth president at EMU and is a groundbreaker as our, first <clears throat> as our first woman president. She began serving in January 2017, so she's beginning her sixth year as EMU's leader. Previously, Susan served as president of Conrad Grable University in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada from 2011 to 2016. Before that, she spent most of her academic career as director of Elliott School of Communication at Wichita State University in Kansas. After beginning her professorial life at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Susan describes herself as a student-centered academic president and a passionate ambassador of faith-based liberal arts education. Susan and her husband, Jesse, have three adult children, two wonderful sons-in-laws, and welcomed a new grandson to their family last June. Please join us in welcoming President Susan Schultz Huxman to the podium.
4: Thank you, SGA co presidents Faith and Amon. I have So appreciated your leadership and Phillips uh, from last fall, and really thank you for your level of engagement as we prepare to launch spring 2022. Good morning, EMU. Welcome, awesome faculty, staff, trustees, retirees, and students. A very special welcome to all of our students, new and returning. I am Susan, president of EMU, and one of the favorite parts of my job is to be a joyous champion of this great university. And that includes welcoming students at the start of each semester, watching you grow and live more fully into your special gifts with each passing semester, and personally congratulating you at the finish line at graduation. It goes fast and the class of 2022 will be lining up with cap and gown in just 114 days. This morning, I know we'd like to put COVID in our rear view mirror, but the virus has other plans for us, as Provost Niss has indicated. So I'm here with you virtually on our beautiful main campus in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We are so thankful that even in a pandemic, as we enter a third year of life with COVID, we are taking care of each other and our enrollment across the board remains strong. We have built a reputation at EMU as a caring community of learners with small classes, personal attention and faculty, mentors and coaches committed To walking with our students semester after semester. Campus vitality and engagement is important to track every semester and students tell us it is particularly critical in a worldwide pandemic where uncertainty and upheaval have become a part of our lives. This morning, I'd like us to leave COVID at the corner for just a bit and look forward together at some exciting ventures that are coming down the pike in 2022 nationally and internationally with the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope and closer to home with some new projects and programs ready to launch at EMU. So what is this thing, the James Webb Space Telescope? Last month, As we were busy wrapping up the semester, keeping COVID away and getting ready to celebrate Christmas, something historic in the making for over a decade was unfolding right before our eyes. On Christmas Day, the world's biggest telescope left Earth, a $10 billion machine in search of the end of darkness. It also contained the biggest astronomical mirror ever seen in space. As of this past Saturday, that oversized mirror with its golden reflector, the centerpiece of the new Webb telescope was straightened out into its full shape, basically the size of a tennis court. The mirror has been folded like an origami creation or an intricate drop-leaf table for the mission's Christmas Day launch so that it would fit into the rocket. The telescope is a joint project of the American, European, and Canadian space agencies. It has taken 30 years to design and build and will continue the scientific discoveries of the Hubble which is now nearing the end of its operational life. Yes, the Webb telescope is the successor to the Hubble telescope and it's 100 times more powerful. Webb can peer farther back into time than Hubble but the biggest difference between the two is Webb is equipped with infrared technology, which can detect invisible light. It can see distant galaxies much more clearly. Many of the images that we received from Hubble were disappointing, they were blurry. The projection quality of these images was dubbed in some quarters as the trouble with Hubble. But in just 17 days in orbit, the James Webb Space Telescope, has performed over three dozen maneuvers without a hitch. By late spring, we will get to see its first images. So this is a a pretty cool new contraption, right? But why should we care about it at EMU? Well, first, there are scientific reasons, but there are also human interest reasons, ethical reasons, and faith reasons. As a faith-informed liberal arts college committed to peace and justice, we are especially equipped to study this event from multiple perspectives. That's what we do. So let's examine each briefly. On the science front, well, there's lots to consider. Here are two. The Webb telescope will function as a time machine We will be able to see back into the earliest objects of the universe for the first time. Second, the Webb Telescope may also help us find the next Earth. We will be able to characterize other planets going around other stars, distant exoplanets, and see if there are oceans and an atmosphere. Professor Mercedes Lopez Morales, an astrophysicist at the Department of Astronomy at Harvard and the Smithsonian, will be among the first researchers to use the web as part of a project to observe more than a dozen small planets during the telescope's first cycle. She says this, I hope that it helps us discover things that we had not thought about since That is how many of the major breakthroughs in science actually happen. She goes on to say, I am part of teams that will for the first time examine the atmospheres of a number of exoplanets in the infrared to search for molecular species. In addition to our expanding our knowledge in the scientific field, let's face it, Another reason we should be fascinated by this launch is basic human interest. Humans everywhere and at all times have been fascinated, transfixed even, with stars, planets, moons, and have been even more curious about the prospects of galaxies far, far away. It is no coincidence that when we turn to the American obsession with space, One of the longest running TV series, Star Trek, and one of the most successful film series of all time, Star Wars, are of course both about space and humans in space. Space, the final frontier, to boldly go where no man has gone before. May the force be with you in a galaxy far, far away. These expressions from these two series are embedded in our pop culture. When Jeff Bezos was ready to launch his Blue Origin space capsule last fall, which celebrity did he get first to go up into orbit with him? None other than 90-year-old William Shatner himself, Captain Kirk, who upon returning said of the beautiful, magical experience, I hope I never recover from this. Of course, the new commercialization of space in recent months, a space race among billionaires, leads us to consider another reason for studying the James Webb Space Telescope, ethical reasons. Ethics looks at two sides of the same coin. It is concerned with questions such as what or who is helped and what or who is harmed. When we look at this launch, we can point to areas of ethical good, such as how historic launches bring the international and community together. Astronauts from the 1960s to the present from many countries speak as one about the awesome unifying power of space discovery. Bill Nelson, an astronaut and long-serving senator of Florida, has vivid memories of seeing Earth from afar. He says, it's so beautiful. It's so colorful. It is suspended in nothing. There's home, and yet it looks so fragile. That experience informed a lot of my public life because I wanted to be, when I returned, a better steward of our planet. Nelson continues, it also struck me that when I looked as we orbited the earth every 90 minutes, I didn't see racial divisions, and I didn't see religious divisions, and I didn't see political divisions, the things that bedevil us here on the face of the earth. What I saw, we were all citizens of planet earth. Another area of ethical good, how pioneering advances in science literally launched the careers of minorities in the sciences. Arguably, compared to some academic field, other academic fields, science has been a more hospitable place for women. As a few examples, one of my favorites, Maria Mitchell. Mitchell was an American astronomer born in 1818 in Nantucket. She was the first professional woman astronomer in the United States. She was trained by her father, a school teacher, and discovered a comet in 1847. Not only was she the first to see the comet, she also had the mathematical skills to calculate its orbit. Her feat won her an international gold medal from the Danish government, the first such recognition for any American woman and eventually she secured the professorship of astronomy at Vassar College, also the first such position for any woman. Fast forward to the 20th and now 21st century and we see the first women in space, Sally Ride and Mae Jameson, and related directly to the Space Telescope, and as quoted earlier, Professor Lopez Morales is on the front lines of the Webb Telescope research team. On the other hand, when we look at this launch, we can also find areas of ethical concern, such as when we ask, who is James Webb? We find this, James Webb, who died in 1992, was a successful career civil servant whose time at the US Department of State began under President Harry S. Truman. He later saw great success overseeing the Apollo program as NASA administrator. But when he arrived in NASA in 1961, his leadership role also meant he was partly responsible for implementing what was by then federal policy the purging of LGBTQ individuals from the workforce, known today as the Lavender Scare. And so many scientists last spring, over 100 strong from several different countries, signed a petition to rename the telescope. To rename it for who? Not another scientist, for Harriet Tubman. That's who, and here's why. Before she became a conductor on the Underground Railroad, an enslaved Harriet Tubman almost certainly used the North Star to navigate her way to freedom. Polaris, also known as the North Star, appears stationary above the horizon of Blackwater National Wildlife Refuge. Harriet Tubman, who grew up near the refuge in Dorchester County, Maryland, used Polaris as her guiding light as she and other escaped slaves fled north on the Underground Railroad. Over the course of a decade, Tubman risked her life on more than a dozen trips back to Maryland to transport her parents and brothers and family and members of her community and friends to freedom. According to the scientists' petitioners, naming the next telescope the Harriet Tubman Space Telescope would ensure that her memory lives in the heavens that gave her and so many others hope. It could also serve as a reminder that the night sky is a shared heritage that belongs to all of us, including LGBTQ people. The scientific petitioners concluded, the time for lionizing leaders who acquiesced in a history of harm is over, we should name telescopes out of love for those who came before us and led the way to freedom and out of love for those who are coming up after. An eloquent and ethical petition. And yet in the end, James Webb Space Telescope won the day. As the scientific community knows all too well, inertia is powerful. Another area of ethical concern, look at the cost. Wow, $10 billion. When we have huge pressing issues such as a worldwide pandemic, climate change, migration upheavals, growing poverty and incarceration rates, systemic gun violence and political unrest, just to name a few, that's a huge sum to swallow, to send a fancy shield and camera, into space. A related ethical concern, will commercialization of space win the day? Will tech gurus and space cowboys for whom money is no object and rockets are the ultimate toy, will that story overshadow the web telescope story? In the recent satirical end of the world movie, Don't Look Up, A huge comet is on a collision course for Earth, but the corrupt, self-absorbed president, played by Meryl Streep, and the evil media choose to ignore the danger because they believe they might actually profit from it. The real takeaway of don't look up is that when science becomes a political football, as it has with the pandemic, whether by those championing it or those denying it, truth ceases to wield authority. To win people over, science must remain apolitical. Finally, let's explore some faith reasons for why we should be interested in the Webb Space Telescope launch. Predictably, when commentators went looking for feature stories about what the web images might show, there were many, many dramatic voices predicting that this will solidify the the Big Bang once and for all, and God is dead. First, let's remember that many of our greatest scientists, past and present, are also men and women of faith. The great astronomer Galileo said, the laws of nature are written by the hand of God in the language of mathematics. The pioneer of modern physics, Sir Isaac Newton, who invented calculus and discovered the laws of gravity and motion, offered this, all my discoveries have been made in answer to prayer. I study the Bible daily and the great albert einstein of our modern times revealed the more i study science the more i believe in god even many scientists of our current day defend science and religion such as this guy owen gingrich author of 600 articles and 20 books including this one about faith and science entitled god's universe professor gingrich is a Mennonite. He is professor emeritus of astronomy and of the history of science at Harvard University and a senior astronomer emeritus at the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory. Since he is a Christian as well as a historian of science and a cosmologist, Gingrich has been asked many, many times to comment on the interplay between faith and science. Gingrich believes there is a God as a designer who happens to be using the evolutionary process to achieve larger goals, which are, as far as we human beings can see, the development of self-consciousness and conscience. Then there is the Bible itself, which unveils the mysteries of the cosmos and God's divine intervention. As people of faith, we have always looked to the night skies for meaning and for connection with the divine. We learn in Psalms, God counts the number of the stars and calls them all by their names. The Reverend Kelly Hudlow, an Episcopalian, describes it this way in her sermon the day after Christmas. Every time I read the opening verse of the Gospel of John, I always think of space. She goes on to note, the Christian season is like looking at the stars through a telescope. We are invited every year to hear the story of Jesus' birth. Through the lens of Luke, we see angels and shepherds and a baby, the Son of God, born in a manger. Through the lens of Matthew, we see wise astrologers, the Magi, who have seen the far-off star signaling the newborn king and have come to worship him. Through the lens of John, we get something very different. It begins, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. His life is the light that shines through the darkness. Indeed, the premise of the story of Christmas in the book of John is this, the light shines in the darkness. And as followers of Jesus, we should seek the light of Christ in each other. So what do our faculty have to say about this telescope launch and the scientific, humanistic, ethical, or faith reasons for studying the event. Here is some of what they have to say. Professor Stefano Calafranceschi says this, we will be asking these questions in my class. Is this expensive program going to be beneficial for humankind like the Apollo space program? How are we going to irreversibly affect human life while going to live on another planet or satellite? Is it okay to consider colonizing Mars while we are not doing enough to preserve our own Earth ecosystem? Professor Esther Tian notes this, I will be sharing that there are 344 potential single-point failures on the Webb Space Telescope mission Everything must work perfectly. This is no small feat. I will emphasize the tremendous responsibilities and marvelous achievement of the engineers on this trip. Professor Daniel King reflected this. I did ask a long question about the James Webb telescope on a physics exam last semester. Stick with me, folks. I had the students investigate the forces on and orbit of an object at the L2 Lagrange point. The most interesting thing the students calculated were this. Number one, that an object at L2 should naturally take about a week longer to complete an orbit around the sun than one Earth year. But the extra pull from the Earth reduces the orbital time to exactly one Earth year. Go figure, they did. And number two, the true distance from Earth to L2 must be slightly closer than the distance commonly cited, for instance, on such places like the Wikipedia page on LaGrange points. Wow. And Professor Laurie Yoder explains, if I were teaching the Earth science class again this semester, I would definitely be covering this topic. I will say this, that the idea of launching into space simply to prove that we can or even to escape the confines of earth seems to be more of a tower of babble mindset than one of good stewardship and care for the earth. So there you have it. The depth and breadth of a liberal arts perspective applied to a critical issue of our time and captured in all of its messy wholeness by four EMU scholars and teachers now for those of you who are more grounded and want to focus on something closer to home so to speak i want to close with what we are ready to launch at emu in spring 2022 no golden shields will be unfolding in other galaxies but in terms of student launches look for our engineering students super mileage car that made its debut last year to enter the Shell Eco-Marathon Collegiate Competition this spring. May they take the checkered flag, not for going fast, but by going very, very far on a single tank of gas. Look for other student research launches at the Academic and Creative Excellence, or ACE Festival, this April. Capital project launches include a new student union an admissions space in university commons, and when that is completed, the launch of funding for a new track and field. On the academic side, three new programs are ready for liftoff, an MA in human resources, a leadership in organizational management with a healthcare concentration, and a BA in public health. In the DEI space, we are on pace to complete a cluster hire in several academic areas, while at the same time we are set to launch incentive grants for DEI research to faculty, staff, and students. And in terms of our most grand special occasion at EMU, graduation, I am thrilled to announce that Brian Stevenson, the celebrated attorney and award-winning author of Just Mercy will be our commencement speaker. Learn about his truly amazing and courageous work for social justice in the weeks to come. EMU, I wish you all the best as you set to launch in 2022. Students, a special shout out to you concentrate on your studies. Enjoy making new connections with others. Celebrate your achievements, great and small. Know that if God knows the names of all the stars, he most certainly knows your name. And leave space for stargazing. Thank you.
5: Good morning. My name is Beth Good. I'm the director of Intercultural Programs. Um, I just want to add my welcome, especially to the friends and families of the students and faculty who are going to be traveling to Guatemala today. Um, First of all, though, I would really like to say thank you to our musicians, Dr. Uh, Ben Berge, Dr. David Berry, and Kimberly Souther. Thank you so much. Always gives me goosebumps. Yes, it's worth another applause. So as many of you know, each semester and during the summer, EMU uh, sends a community uh, of people out both internationally and domestically to immerse themselves in experiential uh, intercultural learning. The core requirement for an intercultural immersion experience lives into EMU's vision to equip graduates with intercultural competence. And it's a cornerstone of the undergraduate experience at EMU. In fact some of you maybe chose to come to emu because of our excellent intercultural program some of you came to emu in spite of our international program requirements but we find that even those who are skeptical of this requirement find it to be one of the most influential parts of their time at emu today we commission and bless the group leaving for guatemala Dr. Laura Yoder, nursing professor and undergraduate nursing program director will be leading a group of 16 students. Who would have imagined that when we recalled Laura and the group from Guatemala in 2020, due to a new pandemic threat, that we would still be facing the challenges of COVID today. I am pleased to report that all the members of the group tested negative for COVID yesterday. Yay. This is actually really miraculous in light of Omicron's impact on our nation. As you all go, we pray that you remain healthy as you open your hearts and your minds to the new experiences that you will encounter. Go as learners and seekers. University Chaplain Brian Burkholder will lead us in a commissioning prayer for the group and you're all welcome to uh, come to the send-off at University Commons um, in the the front lower part at 1215 today. We are asking you to wear your masks even though we'll be outside just to um, make sure that our our students are able to travel uh, COVID free. So thank you, Brian.
6: It's good to see you, Guatemala group. They're in the Discipleship Center Um, You're prominent on the screen here in Laban Auditorium and also through Zoom and Facebook Live. I don't know if Laura has you sitting far enough away that you dare not touch each other, Um, but for the Guatemala group, I welcome you reaching out and just putting a hand on each other's shoulders. And those who are connected maybe online, um, it might be weird, but. Put your hands on the monitor. Just reach up and, and touch. And maybe those here in Lehman Auditorium holding our hands, palms up as we pray. God, we acknowledge that you have been present with us this morning and that you are present with us each day, wherever we are, wherever we go. This morning, we especially seek protection and blessing on each of the students and their leader who will be traveling to Guatemala. We also pray for those who will host them throughout this learning culture, learning adventure, especially CASAS, their host educational community. We're grateful for the desire and willingness of these students and their leader to step into unknown places to be challenged for growth through this intercultural experience. God of the universe we ask that you open their eyes to the extraordinary world that you have created, that they would have hearts and minds of curiosity, openness to seeing you in unlikely places and a desire to care for one another along the way. May you be evident to them in times of loneliness, in moments of fear or anxiety, and in experiences of joy and discovery as they learn more about who you are, about others, themselves, and this wonderful yet challenged world of yours. We pray for the health, healthy, the health and safety of each one, and not only for them, but for the people they will meet along the way, and also for those they leave behind. May the people who host these students have the energy and wisdom needed for introducing a new context. And we pray this morning for Laura Glick-Yoder, their leader, asking that you grant Laura wisdom for the journey and the ability to sense and interpret your presence and guidance along the way. Thank you for the opportunity that each of us have as travelers and learners, some experiencing EMU as an intercultural experience, risking stepping out of the comfortable into a world inviting increased vulnerability and reliance on your love and protection and dependence on the community formed and experienced along the way. In your mercy we pray, amen. So we invite you to go in peace and expand love and wonder as we open this semester. God be with you.